You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Double tackle, the defensive end. If he's over, if he's not, he drives down on the first man who is inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. No one shows. Go right by this and feel this side. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, that's inside. If the YN has the linebacker in. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay, and we're going to just kind of do a little preview, give you an injury report update and a preview of the Packers-Raiders game coming up. Obviously, we've got the Chicago Bears uh, playing tonight against the Commanders, so we'll be giving you guys live updates on that, everyone in the chat who's hanging out. Tim, how was your day, bud? Great. Got uh, some family in town. did a little shopping, uh, spent some time with uh, my mother-in-law, and it's been good, man. You know, can't complain. How about you? All oh, same, man. It was uh, it was a good day. The last, I think, the last hot day we're gonna have here. I think we got to like eighty-two, and it looks like uh, you know the week coming up, we're barely gonna get at, get into the sixties, I believe. Um, and uh, there at night, it's gonna get down, you know, around thirty-eight, thirty-nine. So we made it, man. I love this time of year, dude. Have a yeah. fire out here on the deck. Try not to have too many daddy sodas to catch the house on fire, you know. But it'll be a good time <laughs> always. But uh, I want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat. We got Zane Strong in the house, Josh Martin, Emilio, Stephen Smith, Dead Fish. Hope you guys are having an awesome evening. Glad to have you in here. And for those of you listening on the pod, obviously we are live on YouTube and Twitter, and uh, excited to be here tonight. Before we kind of get into Packers talk, Tim, I did want to uh, mention something that's uh, that's very important, and I know you would agree, and I'm sure everyone in the chat would agree as well. Unfortunately, today the NFL lost an absolute legend in uh, in Dick Buckus. Uh, actually, happened a short time ago before we went live. I noticed it come across the wire there uh, on X, and uh, and the Chicago Bears actually posted it. And um, I'll just read their statement and kind of give my thoughts on Dick Buckus, and uh, I'd like to hear what you got to say about him too, Tim. But the Chicago Bears said it's a statement from Bears chairman George H. McCaskey. Um, on passing of Bears legend Dick Buckus. Dick was the ultimate Bear and one of the greatest players in NFL history. He was a, he was Chicago's son. He exuded what our great city is about and not not coincidentally. I'm sorry. I, get hard, I'm, I swear I'm getting old here, Tim. I, I'm having a hard time seeing this stuff. <laughs> what George Hallis looked for in a player, toughness, smarts, instincts, passion, and leadership. 
He refused to accept anything less than the best from himself or from his teammates. When he dedicated the George Hallis statue at our team headquarters, uh, we asked Dick to speak at the ceremony because we knew he spoke for Papa Bear. Uh, Dick had a gruff manner, and maybe that kept some people from approaching him, but he actually had a soft touch. His legacy of philanthropy included a mission of ridding performance-enhancing drugs from sports and promoting heart health. His contributions to the game he loved will live forever, and we are grateful he was able to be at our home opener this year to be celebrated one last time by his many fans. We extend our condolences to Helen, Dick's high school sweetheart and wife of 60 years, and their family. So, uh, yeah, Dick Buckus, man, just one of the all-time greats. Tim, I remember my earliest memories. One of the reasons I fell in love with the NFL, and early on it kind of grabbed my attention, um, was NFL Films. And you couldn't turn on an NFL Films documentary without hearing the name Dick Buckus. You know, hearing people like Deacon Jones talk about Dick Buckus. You know, roses are red, violets are blue. If you were smart, you keep Dick Buckus away from you, right? <laughs> stay, and they were just talking about how how mean he was on the field and how he just played every snap at 100 mile an hour. Um, so it's people like Dick Buckus and your Ray Nitschke's that make this uh, this Packers-Bears rivalry the best in all of sports. So uh, – Hearts and uh, and prayers obviously go out to the Chicago Bears family and their fans. Um, we like to talk a lot of trash, but I think at the end of the day, you would see that that both these fan bases do have a lot of respect for each other deep down inside. And like you and I talked about, Tim, if there's one thing I respect the most about Dick Buckus, it's absolutely how much he hated the Packers. Right? You could just <laughs> you could respect how passionate he was about that rivalry all the way to the point where. You know, obviously his uh, – I believe it's his nephew. That's our offensive line coach, right, Coach Buckus. And he even talked trash about him. Like, it's it's it's, it's sad he's got to be a part of a trash organization <laughs> just making comments like that. But um, what do you think, man? What, what sticks out to you about Dick Buckus before we get into this Packers-Raiders talk? Well, you know, you know me. I'm a defensive guy. And, I mean, it doesn't get much better when we're talking uh, defensive football than the legendary Dick Buckus at linebacker. So um, – and you know what? You're right, because we we get all tense and angry whenever the Bears come up, like because we despise them, we hate them. But there's this there's this mutual respect that's always there. And uh, I think I'll actually, uh, despite the uh, circumstances with maybe an opportunity to talk some trash tonight about the Bears, I think I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and lay off out of respect because um, they, they lost a legend. Uh, the game lost a legend too. You know, it's, it's, he was so much bigger than just the Chicago bears and, you know, for what he did for, you know, the game of football, it's just, it can't be understated uh, long, long career and uh, just an absolute legend. Yeah. You, you almost, you love him because he hates you so much because, you know, <laughs> you, you know, it's the same way. And it's that it's that mutual respect. So definitely rest in peace to uh, to Dick Buckus and uh, condolences to the to the family as well. Yeah, very well said. Steven Smith in the chat says, uh, good evening, Posse. Sad day for the Bears. Maybe they will get some inspiration from the legend. Obviously, they're getting ready to kick off right now. I, I don't want to say I'm rooting for the Bears, but, you know, I remember when Brett Favre's uh, father passed away and just how something just magical happen in that Raiders game, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it, I, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if just something crazy happens in this game that the Bears go off, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, it is what it is. It, it just sucks, man. It sucks to it, – it's the thing that, that really sucks about getting older is you got to say goodbye to all these 
players and all these names that you've heard your entire life. And, you know, for some people, it's celebrities, Tim. It's like, you know, all my favorite actors and actresses are passing away or my favorite musicians. I'm not a, mu a music person. I'm not a, a movie person. You know, Mandy cannot get me to sit down for two minutes to watch a movie. But when it comes to athletes and you start seeing some of these greats, you know, kind of moving on, it uh, it sucks, man. It's, it's, uh, it's the hardest part about it. Um, it's funny you bring up actors or movies because, you know, Dick Buckus was an actor, too. Oh, big time, yeah. So man. any given Sunday, I mean, uh, what was the other one here? Let me let me see. I pulled up his filmography. Necessary Roughness, 1991. That was that was a good movie. Yep, yep. He's been in more than a more than a handful handful of movies. So uh, yeah. let's, I forget the the uh, celebrity that transcends football too with him. Wasn't there? There was a a family show on the Disney Channel when I was younger where he was a basketball. I'm thinking it was him. I could have him mixed up with someone, but I think he was the basketball coach at a high school or something. It's called Hang Time or something like that. Okay. Um, Anyway, I just remember seeing that and going, that looks like Dick Buck. <laughs> that is Dick Buck. I'm pretty sure it was him, if I remember right. But, uh, yeah, man, it, uh, like I said, hearts and uh, prayers go out to them for sure. So, uh, all right, let's do this, man. Let's uh, let's move on to some uh, some Packers-Raiders talk here. Let's start with the injury report, Tim. Obviously, we got our first one of the week. Um, this is, you know, you're going to get an injury report, obviously, today. You're going to get one Friday. You're going to get one Saturday. And then, obviously, the game status after that. So. Essentially what you had, Jair Alexander limited practice on Thursday with the back injury. Zane Anderson did not participate. Devondre Campbell did not participate. Rudy Ford did not participate. And now we have an answer as to what it was. It was an oblique strain. Um, Elton Jenkins limited participation, which I think is great news. Uh, Aaron Jones limited, which I think we would all expect with the hamstring. Obviously, they tried to ease him back in last week. Luke Musgrave, full participation with the concussion which obviously means he has now cleared concussion protocol. I think that's huge for the Packers. John Runyon, this one hurts a little bit, uh, did not participate. He has a groin and an ankle injury that he's battling. Uh, Eric Stokes, foot injury, limited participation. Zach Tom, limited participation. Uh, Carrington Valentine, full participation. And Christian Watson, limited with the, uh, the hamstring injury. As far as the notes there, Tim, um, like I said, Luke Musgrave has cleared concussion protocol. Uh, Rudy Ford having that oblique strain. There's a chance. I think Matt LaFleur said there's a chance he will practice tomorrow. So that's a good sign. Uh, Dre Campbell most likely will not go Monday. They'll probably be looking to bring him back after the, uh, the bye week there with that ankle. And then John Runyon most likely out Monday as well. Of course, we'll, we'll know as we get to Friday and Saturday, if he's still not participating at all, I think we'll have a little bit better idea there. Now on the Raiders side, Devontae Adams did not participate with the shoulder injury. Um, and uh, you had several that were limited, including Max Crosby uh, with a knee injury, um, limited. J Jimmy Garoppolo, limited participation. Uh, the fact that he is limited and coming off that concussion probably says that he is going to uh, play Sunday or Monday, I would imagine. You know, he probably would still be listed out. Typically how that works is when you don't pass the initial test and concussion protocol, you get a little later in the week. If you still haven't participated, then they'll just go ahead and keep you out. So the fact that he is limited, it's probably a sign that Jimmy Garoppolo will be playing in that game. Uh, Nate Hobbs, cornerback, ankle injury, did not participate. Malcolm Kuntz, defensive end, groin, limited participation. And David Long, cornerback, limited participation on the ankle. Um, what sticks out to you on, on that, whether it's the Packers side or the Raiders side there, Tim? Well, on our side uh... – Definitely the JRJ news is not 
not good. That's probably the the biggest negative of today's injury report um, with our issues on the line. Uh, I do think the the bright spots are Carrington Valentine being full participation. And of course, uh, Luke Musgrave um, as well. Those were very important. And obviously the clarity with, uh, you know, what's going on with Rudy Ford, he kind of popped up on there on the, on the injury radar to a lot of our uh, surprise the other day. So knowing that it's an oblique strain is, um, you know, hopefully something he can power through, but, you know, I really think that, um, you know, and with Eric Stokes, I think, you know, you had alluded to this possibly last night. I think we were talking that, you know, there's no rush on him. I don't think we're going to see him until after the bye week, probably. Yeah. What do they have? Clayton, they have three three weeks. Or Paul Brettel was talking about it. He said three three or four weeks after the first practice. That, yeah, if, uh, yeah, if I understood correctly, you've got three weeks, a three-week window, and then you've got to make the decision to put them on the active roster or put them on our to end their season. So, yeah, I would imagine – they want to play that as safe as possible, like Paul was pointing out, um, just because if you rush him back, he really hurts it, you know, then he's done for the year. You know, there's no yeah. no leeway there. Absolutely. And then, I mean, on the Raiders side, I think, you know, Tay, Tay not practicing today, I don't. I wouldn't read too much into that. I agree. Um, I, I think that might just be, you know, him trying to be as close to 100% to go. I don't think he wants to miss this game. Um Max Crosby being on that list is like, you know, like whatever, you know, that guy's going to play. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. There's no doubt. And then uh good old Jimmy G probably, uh, I, I want to say my least favorite quarterback in the national football league. Uh, my wife can't stand him either. Uh, <laughs> shout out, shout out to Jimmy Jalopy. Uh, I hope, I hope he does play because we owe him. We owe him an L yeah. at home. And, and I hope we walk off. Uh, screaming expletives at Jimmy Garoppolo in his own stadium, mm-hmm. like he did to us a couple years ago with the Niners. I was at that game. It was it was almost as disgusting as what we witnessed against Detroit the other night. Um, uh, as far as those things, so uh, Jimmy G, you know, like you said, a, a couple days ago we were thinking maybe he doesn't play, and then right. so today we see that it looks like uh, more than likely he'll probably be back. So. You know, yeah. we're not going to get a backup quarterback uh, all the more reason. Again, like we talked about with our defense, you know, the guys got to be on point. We we can't take this game for granted. We should beat this team. You know, I know we'll get into the, the Vegas lines a little later, too, but I, I, I see this as a get right game and a game we should be able to win. Yeah. You know, like we're saying, we're testing this young team all year long. The, the goal is to see, and Ryan talked about it on his pod, and did an excellent job with it uh, yesterday, or actually it was today's pod, I think. Um you know, he was talking about how, you know, who who's going to fit into the future, you know, and he kind of went through position after position after position. Like, you know, OK, I think it was Packer Nett after dark. Somebody had asked the question and kind of provoked the thought for him. OK, yeah, I see him being long term. This one we'll see. This one we'll see. You know, that's what we're trying to determine this year. We know we're not competing for a Super Bowl. Doesn't mean you can't win one. Look back to 2010. Nobody expected the Packers to win in 2010. Uh, but. <laughs> You know, we know what this year is about. It's not about, uh, you know, rebuilding. It's not about a restart. It's let's identify what we've got and try to put together a winning culture as we go through and these guys grow together. Um, That's what it's going to come down to. But, uh, yeah, so um, I I say bring on Jimmy G. And like you said, it's the first thing I thought of, too, is like, you know what? A little bit of revenge on Jimmy G. And right now he's his back's against the wall, too, because – 
it, it, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like there's people within the organization that don't believe in Jimmy G. Now, we know Josh McDaniels does because he played a big role in helping Bill Belichick draft him in New England. Right. But, you know, there's a lot of former teammates coming out and talking about how he refused to play, you know, hurt, not injured, hurt. And uh, when other players were going out there with muscles hanging off the bones, right? So uh, I think it was Julian Edelman that talked about it. It was the McCourty, McCourtney, uh, McCourty brothers talked about it. Then there was a couple teammates in San Francisco that actually talked about it where it's like, this dude doesn't really act like he wants to be out there with his teammates, you know, if any, if any, if it's any situation other than perfect health-wise, right? And we know right. – Nobody's it's, you get you get two three games into the season, Tim. Nobody's one hundred percent healthy. <laughs> Nobody, right, everybody's banged up. So um, let's see this. Let's look at the game summary real quick. Well, let me check the chat here. Uh, Emilio did have a question I wanted to hit on here. I thought was really good. He said, "Who moved to start in safety if Rudy can't go?" I, yeah. I think I think it's good question. Yeah. I love it. I think it's probably going to be Jonathan Owens, but what I would like to see is Anthony Johnson Jr. Like, Thank you. Dude, throw him out there. We're talking about we're talking about trying these young guys and seeing what we got. Dude, he plays top down. I heard nothing, nothing but po- there wasn't one person that I listened to in the offseason as far as draft coverage, Tim, that said, ah, Anthony Johnson Jr. is nothing special. Everyone was like, Oh, he plays very aggressive. He plays a good top down. He would be a good fit for that quarter's coverage, all of those things. And it's like, then we get him and you know, you never hear from him, right? Um, but well, he's you know, been I, on that that injury list, though. That's very true. Very so true, now yeah. we're not seeing him on this list anymore. Yeah. Um, last week we were looking at, oh, he's full participation again. This is a good sign. Here we are, you know, Thursday, and you know the first injury report we really see this week is uh, looking good. So yeah. um, I'm with you, man. You took the words right out of my <laughs> mouth. Give me, give me 36, man. We love, we, I love 36, man. All day makes me every time I see that number running around, you get, you get flashes of Nick Collins and and Leroy Butler out there. So, and you can only say that for a handful of numbers too, when it comes to the Packers, you know what I mean? There's, there's a handful of them that you think good things when you see that number, there's a few that you go, Oh God, well, I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah. So Emilio, I think our answer is pretty unanimous. It'll probably be Jonathan Owens, but we hope it's Anthony Johnson Jr. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and now of course you got everybody kind of uh, filing into the chat here saying rest in peace, Dick Buckus. Uh, completely agree there. Knucklehead Paul, man. Uh, tough day for the NFL for sure, man. Uh, Mike Hebring in the chat said, Jimmy and Tay going to get theirs against the Packers D limit the Raiders run game and the Packers will win comfortably. Yeah. You know, uh, you know how I feel about this. It's uh limit the explosive plays. That's, that's what it always comes down to. And uh, I'm telling you, man, everybody, everybody talks about playing with a heavy box and playing man coverage. And I showed you guys on the Detroit tape over and over and over. Every time we went to man coverage, they hit an explosive on us. They hit Sam Laporta with our number one corner on him. Number one corner, healthy, following Sam Laporta. Gets burnt with what should have been inside technique robber coverage which Darnell Savage blew because our team isn't built for man coverage. Um, and on top of that, later on in the game, they hit a back shoulder fade uh, down the sideline because we were in just straight cover one, fire in five, man coverage, bump and run. I was screaming, so, screaming my head off pre-snap yeah. at Lambeau Field on that play. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and when I see people play up on the line of scrimmage, I don't go, yeah, I go, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> Like, <laughs> especially when it's a linebacker, right? Like, uh, yeah, I, 
on a slot receiver or something. Yeah. It's like, oh, no. Now, if you've got man coverage corners, if you build a defense like Belichick did, right, totally different ball game. But that's not the that's not the cornerback room that Goody's built. Jair can do everything. There's no doubt about it. Rasul is a great zone coverage. I don't want to say great. He's a very good zone coverage corner, and he's physical and tackling typically. He's not a man coverage corner. I'm not saying he can't do it in a pinch. Not saying he can't do it at all. But it's not ideal. There's no you know no doubt about it. But uh, yeah. So when you talk about limiting their run, um, Mike, I agree that should be you know, a big chunk of the game plan. But at the same time, if you're saying we're willing to give up an explosive to limit their run, I, I have to disagree there. Um, I think that the goal should be start fast, as always. It goes without saying. Get a lead and force them into passing. Play top down, two on the shelf. And, and what's crazy is you look at the interceptions that we've got this year, Tim. A lot of people don't like to point this out either uh, because it doesn't go with the narrative that there's a lot of people that are dug in on that narrative. Right, that all we do is play two on the shelf, two on the shelf, two on the shelf constantly. Um, God, my mind's racing right now. There's so many things I want to say. Um, <laughs> Greg Cosell broke down the tape. Greg Cosell and Doug Ferrara broke down the tape from the Miami Dolphins game this past week. Now, the Buffalo Bills, you guys know, two weeks ago, Miami put up 70 points and everybody was screaming, Oh my God, this is the best offense the league has ever seen. Right. Then they come out against the Bills and they only scored 20 points. Everybody's going, Well, what happened? Did you, you want to know what happened? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. They played two on the shelf, top down. They played a quarter's look and stayed in cover two and disguised it, cover two zone, the whole game. That's what they did. That's how they stopped their pass. Now, they were able to stop the run with their front four. Now, some people are going, we're allowed to do that? Yeah. If you've got the right people and you yeah. can stop the run with your front four, absolutely. That's an ideal situation, but we know – this team isn't built for that. So you got to kind of, it's give and take, man. You got to, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But what I was going to point out with the Packers, look at their interceptions this year. I want everyone go, go to the box score and say, okay, who had an interception in each game? All right. Go find that highlight and watch what coverage they're playing. Yeah. I'm almost 100% positive. Every single interception came in quarters coverage. The, the only other one was Rudy Ford, where they were playing a cover three with three underneath. So rather than cover four, they were playing a cover three spinner and they fired an extra blitzer and Rudy actually completely abandoned his flat and jumped the route. So all of our interceptions came from playing zone defense, right? Zone coverage, Um, which, you know, it is what it is, but yeah. So uh, thank you so much there, Mike. Uh, Again, man, it's going to be important to stop the run. Let's hope they can, uh, they can do it in a way that they control the explosive plays as well. And, and we're going to talk about the line here in a second, which is it's really fascinating because I was hearing rumors, and you guys heard me mention this two or three episodes ago, actually the last episode and the one before, that I was hearing rumors that the line was going to open at five-and-a-half points. The Packers were five-and-a-half point favorites, right? And I've got some uh, – I don't want to say inside information, but I follow it very, very closely because it's important in the gambling world that not that I'm a big gambler, but how the line moves throughout the week if you break down the analytics of just that, man, it's a wild how finely tuned the results can be. But uh, anyway, it was rumored it was going to open at five and a half because Jimmy G was probably not going to be healthy. And then, of course, you get the injury report news. We've now went from five and a half pre-opening to it actually opened at two and a half, right? And now, so think about this. We were five and a half point favorites were the rumors, okay? I always got to put the rumors. 
Then the line opens at two and a half point favorites. Now we're one point underdogs. I was going to say we're at, we're at one now. Yeah, one point and underdogs. So we went from plus five and a half, right? To I'm sorry, we went from I'm, I, I said that totally wrong. We went from minus five and a half to plus one, meaning we went from five and a half point favorites to uh, one point underdogs. So it's uh it's gonna be fascinating. Again, man, I, I I don't I don't go into this game or any game really thinking this is this is stressful. You know, if you're one of those fans that stresses over every single Packer game, man, take a deep breath and really try to step back and go, you know what? This is supposed to be enjoyable. Let's take it for what it is, right? Let's take it for what, you know, what what is this team right now? What can they be? What what should they be and what can they grow into, right? Tim, talk to him for a second. I got a German Shepherd pup over here about to break the door down. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear him back there. Um, no, definitely, guys. I mean, you know, when you think about uh, – well, I'm just still seeing Mike Hebring here. Um, you know, we have to account for the run, obviously. But when you look at uh, – this matchup against um, the Raiders on Monday night, um, you know, Vegas is seeing this as a close game as, you know, the closer we get to this. So I think, you know, in all seriousness out there, um, I wish I could grab the chat here um, In all serious out there. Uh, this game is going to be uh, closer than a lot of us think um, we are seeing it, uh, you know, from a Packer fan perspective as a matchup that we can certainly win. But I think all indications right here are the, the odds makers and the, the talking heads out there that analyze these games from an objective standpoint are seeing it as being a little bit closer than they did even a few years or a few days ago, rather um, with the old Jimmy G news. So now, you know, the Raiders are going to have their starting quarterback. It looks like that, that kind of changes things as it would, it probably moved the line for anyone. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, out there. Did you get uh, you get handled out there, uh, Clayton? Oh, yeah, we got it, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> the, these German Shepherd pups, <clears throat> they're now about, I think, I think they're eight months old. Lincoln weighs 94 pounds. Um. He's going to be about a buck ten when he's done. His his name is Abraham Lincoln Bailey on his papers. All right, um, so we call him Link. If he knows I'm up here, he can't stand it. He wants to be in here, and he's usually pretty good. But all it takes is one sound outside, and everyone's eardrums are going to get blew out because he's going to bark. Um, he's he's very very protective already and everything. He's a good dog, real good dog. But anyway, I apologize, guys. Um, so yeah, like I was saying, um, I don't remember what I was saying, but. 
you were, I know you you were talking like, about the Vegas line moving. Um, yeah. Oh God, we got United Bates. I love this. I love this chat right here. Oh, let's see here. He said, uh, I'll never forgive Jimmy G for when he said F the Packers at last. What everybody Thank thinks you. about now. Hillman, who was the kicker? Was it Robbie Gold? Am I thinking? I right? think it was Robbie Gold, right? That was the <laughs> kicker. They were the oh, two we, that said it. Yeah, there were, there were, uh, you know, Jimmy G was uh, tossing <laughs> F bombs and uh, Title Town Faithful were tossing snowballs uh, yeah. <laughs> at the end of that game. <laughs> um, the level of disrespect um, was just crazy. So, yeah, we, we owe it to Jimmy G, man. We gotta, we gotta go get one. And it'll be sweet too to get it on the road in Vegas. Yeah. I think we're going to do I think we're going to be close to what we saw at Lambeau with Detroit's fans. You know, we might, we might get a little Green Bay takeover in uh, Sin City there. The Packer fans travel well, uh, yeah. especially to Vegas. So it seems like every team has traveled well in Vegas. And, and right now I'm telling you, man, those, they are not happy with that team. Um, the way it's. Oh, I people, saw that. Yeah. They people are screaming. not. Yeah. And, and then you had Josh Jacobs, which Deb Fish in the chat said, Jacobs has me worried. Great runner, but held out on a contract dispute and now he's just getting into the game shape. That's a very good point. But like he had said in a presser, I think it was after this last game, he was like, man, I'm just tired of losing. I'm not used to losing. He was kind of, you know, you could just tell the morale is way down. Obviously Devontae Adams has been very vocal um, about, you know, about all that as well. Let's see what else Deb Fish said here, and then we'll get to the, the summary. He said on top of running the ball, he matched Adams last week in receptions for eight and had six more receiving yards at 81. Wow. So there you go, man. Uh, very good breakdown there, Dead Fish. Appreciate that. So yeah, he's he he's one of those backs. He's he's arguably the best back in the league uh, going into this year. People were saying that he might be the best back in the league. Like I said, uh, because of the holdout, I think he he uh, kind of took a step back. But let's do this. Let's go to the game summary real quick. So hopefully you guys can read it. If not, I'm going to try to rattle some of this information off. As far as team metrics, ranked <clears throat> each team's ranking out of 32 teams according to PFF. Overall ranking, the Packers are 14th, the Raiders are 24th, right? Some people are going, well, how are we one-point uh, underdogs then, right? How, how does that work, right? Well, I'll tell you how it works. Typically, the home team catches three points. That just kind of goes without saying, right? Now, you notice it's not a full three points in this case, right? Which will tell you it's Vegas, baby, right? Nope, <laughs> so nope. probably has a lot to do with it. But um, so 14th, they're 24th. Power ranking defensive-wise, okay, um, Packers are 11th. Some of you are going, what? The P PFF has their power ranking 11th on defense? Yeah. Um, the Raiders, 26th. Power ranking on offense, the Packers are 24th. The Raiders are 13th. So according to PFF, right, according to PFF, they have the Packers having the better defense, but the Raiders having the better offense, okay? Um, average offensive snaps, both are at – 62.8 uh, percentage of run plays. The Packers are at 35.4% um, the Raiders are at 34.3%. Uh, so obviously the passing plays the Packers are at 64.6%. The Raiders are 65.7%. You're seeing a lot of, a lot of similarities here, Tim, when it comes to uh, these numbers. And then you've got a uh, EPA per run. The Packers are negative 0.22. The Raiders are negative 0.24. So as bad as we've been at running the ball, We've been a little bit better than the Raiders, surprisingly, which is wild to think about. EPA per pass, check this out, 0.12 for the Packers, negative 0.01 for the Raiders. So you can kind of see uh, there as far as the teams and how they perform. Now, when you talk about quarterback comparison, uh, Jordan Love is grading right now on PFF. 
at a 67.2. Jimmy Garoppolo is at a 68.7. Okay. Passer rating with a clean pocket. Uh, Jordan Love at a 104.8. Jimmy Garoppolo at a 111.3. Uh, passer rating under pressure. Uh, Jordan Love at 30.7. Jimmy Garoppolo, 11.6. You get a little bit of pressure on a pretty boy, and uh, it crumbles really, really quick, you could tell. Uh, Big-time throw percentage, Jordan Love, 3.8%. Jimmy Garoppolo, only 1.8%. Turnover-worthy play percentage, uh, Jordan Love, 2.5%. Jimmy Garoppolo at 3.6%. And power rating, uh, Jordan Love at 1.0. Jimmy Garoppolo at 2.5. Power rating rank. Uh, Jordan Love's power rating rank is 25th. Jimmy Garoppolo's is 13th. So that's kind of how that lines up there. Anything stick out to you? Any comments on that, Tim? Uh, I'm with you. The similarities are are striking. Um, and I this makes a lot of sense as to why, you know, maybe Jimmy G playing uh, had an effect on the line. But, you know, maybe as the, the time progresses here, as we get closer to Monday, it's just becoming more and more evident uh, how close of a matchup this really could be. Uh, in different ways, but there are similarities uh, between this team. I'm even just glancing at the quarterback comparison, too. You can see uh, between J-Love and uh, Jimmy G. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, we got Eric Sutherland in the house. What's up, man? Number one Packer fan in here. United Bates said, uh, need to have a good complimentary team win on Monday to carry us into a uh, a nice win streak. We can do it with this schedule. I completely agree. I mean, there's a chance, Tim, if they can pull off this win – against the Raiders, um, if they can come out of come out of Vegas with a win. And then who knows, man, you might be able to go on a four-game a four winning streak with the way yep. that, uh, that schedule looked like we talked yep. about for sure. Um, all right, let's jump right into the green line real quick, okay? This is uh, a little bit of the betting stuff that we were talking about. And, again, if you're not a better, that's okay. Just understand it's, it's more information, right? And the more information, the better. Um, so the market right now, Green Bay is plus one. Obviously, it means they're a, a one-point underdog, right? PFF has it plus one and a half. So they actually have the Raiders at a one-and-a-half-point favorite, okay, um, as opposed to the one point that the market's showing right now. Cover probability, 45%. We won't get too much into that. I want to point out the cash. This is the stuff that always catches my eye. So as far as the spread and the Raiders uh, minus one, they 60% of the cash is on them. Okay. Uh, so that means 60% of the money that's bet on the spread um, for the uh, Raiders to cover that one point spread. Okay. Um, now, money line, this is just straight up which team is going to win the game. 88% of the cash in the money line is on Green Bay. That is astronomical there. Right. So you've got a lot of people putting money there. Now, also, Let's hop back up to the spread real quick. I want to hit this. You've got tickets, okay, overall tickets, and then they got overall cash. The tickets are at 50%. When you hop down to the money line, again, the cash, 88% on Green Bay. The tickets, 75% on Green Bay. So that kind of – there's two ways of thinking about that, Tim. You see that, and you think, okay, cool, yeah, the, the, the public's big on the Packers then on the money line. And you also think, what does Vegas know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you get so much money on on one team, and then afterwards the result is the opposite, and you find yourself. Going, of course, that's how it played out. Of course, it played out like that, right? Right. But, uh, Absolutely. Anything stick out to you there on the green line? Of course, we talked about the metrics, the quarterback comparison, all that good stuff. Of course, the over under two is at forty four and a half points. Yeah. No, I don't really have anything to add. Um, you know, like I said, I'm not much of a, a better, but these metrics are cool to look at. Um, just gives you an idea of what uh, 
what these guys are thinking, man. Um, yeah. I'm just looking forward to the game, seeing it, seeing it played in between the lines. Right. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. All right, man. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk matchups. Well, let me get back to the chat real quick, and then we'll pull up the matchups. There was a, a couple more um, in here. Emilio <laughs> in the chat says, "I'll never forgive United Bates for Myers last night." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know where you woke up. You woke up down there off of Henley Street, bro, in the clink down there in Knox <laughs> County. I ain't stupid. I know where you live. <laughs> let's see what else we got here. Uh, um. All right, let's see. Uh, we got a little dog talk in the house. Number one Packer fan says, I got an 83-pound American bully. I thought about getting a, a Shep, but the hair was too much. LOL, Sheps are great dogs. They are, man. And you're right about the hair. These are these are the quote-unquote short hairs, but they're not short hair. Um, don't mm-hmm. get it wrong. They're just not like a grizzly bear. Um, they're, uh, they are good dogs. They're really smart, man. I've got them now to where I can just whistle twice, Tim, and they're on me. Just a, just a quick, and they're yeah. right on my head. Like, what's, what's up? What are we doing? Where we going? <laughs> Although when I went downstairs, I set the stream up and I went downstairs earlier, right before we went live. Mandy is putting out some Halloween decorations. She has this zombie looking thing. It's like a crypt keeper that dances. Oh, dude. She was terrorizing those dogs, chasing them. Oh. <laughs> like, train them up, girl. Train them up. Um, all right. Let's see here. Let's hit this one really, really quick. Um, number one Packer fan said, I really think the Packers defensive struggles over the uh over the years center around philosophy. Uh, that is what leads to player acquisition, which leads to strategy and game plan. What do you guys think? Tim, I mean, that's that's what I've been saying, right? And, and I, I don't know if I've been able to convey it um, well enough, but it, it's real simple. Like Michael Lombardi talks about this in Gridiron Genius. Um, he talks about this all the time on the GM Shuffle, which you guys, if you're not listening to that podcast, go listen to it. he's going to screw up names, okay? He screws up everybody's name. It's like a running joke now throughout Twitter. This dude just understands the game inside and out. It's it's so well done. But he talks about trying to marry up a front office with a coaching staff. You know, if you you have a front office that does something one way and you try to hire a coaching staff and say, okay, we know you like to build a team and run a team this way, but, hey, you got to use these ingredients, these players – that's why you have so many, you know, that's why you have a lot of people that come from the Bill Belichick coaching tree that don't succeed, right? Is because they come from an organization where everything is continuity from the top down, right? And then you they'll go to a place and go, okay, yeah, we're bringing in the Patriot way. All right, cool. Well, here's your GM. And he builds a roster completely different from how Belichick and Robert Kraft have. Now you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. So, when you talk about playing top down, the number one pro- priority in a quarters coverage top down type defense is the safeties fill the run gaps on their way down. Right, that's the big thing. You you've got them on the shelf, right? But they're they're almost more aggressive than the linebackers as far as making tackles, and it's almost as if the linebackers have to play it safe on play action and allow the safeties to run fit just as much. I'm not saying more, but just as much as the linebackers. Well, if you've got an, a front office from an organizational standpoint that key in on these physical traits like speed, agility, acceleration, uh, you know, uh, leaping ability, all these things that you think of cover guys, right, at the safety position, and now you're telling them, hey, look, you're essentially saying you're telling a cover guy, I want you to be Leroy Butler. I want you to be Troy Palomala, right? 
And, and those guys could do everything, right? Some of these guys can't. You know, Darnell Savage, when they drafted Darnell Savage, they didn't go, we got us a thumper. This dude's a big hitter and he's a running force, run forcer, right? Like you just don't think of that. You think of speed. You think of someone who's, uh, you know, supposed to be a ball hawk, someone who can cover yeah. ground, that type of thing. So I think you're spot on there. Uh, number one Packer fan, I completely agree. But uh, Tim, uh, like I said, what? how do you feel about that? What do you say there, man? Oh, I agree. Uh, I'm with you 100% on that, man. Um, I think it comes from, you know, we had so many years of uh, just – I don't know, terrible secondary play, I guess, until mm -hmm. we were able to turn it around. And I don't want to use the word overcorrection, but, you know, I think the emphasis has been on the back end uh, of the defense for a long time. And that's maybe why the front, um, you know, has struggled. Uh, it could just be simply, a, you know, the philosophy issue, you know, like, I, I, I don't know what, I can't speak to an overall defensive philosophy because I think overall, defensively you want to be a smothering run stuffing ball hawking in the secondary defense no matter what yeah. your what your scheme is I mean that's your philosophy but uh, I definitely think maybe the emphasis um, on the back end uh, for a while is uh, what kind of got us to where we are here in 2023 yeah for sure and think of it this way too go all the way back to when we bring in Don Capers we were coming from a 4-3 defense you guys remember I don't know if you were fans back then or not but we had Aaron Campman, who was a a four three defensive end that was just awesome. Actually, he was he was kind of a borderline defensive tackle in a four three. And as soon as we brought in the thirty four zone blitz, they converted him to outside linebacker, had him standing up. Right, he blew his knee out. Right, and then he was never the same player, and he just couldn't kind of get that down. And you even bring in one of the best in Kevin Green to teach him. Now, you bring in a young Clay Matthews who was built perfectly. He played what they called elephant at USC, and you bring him in to be that outside edge rusher out of the, as a thirty-four, you know, outside linebacker, and uh, you kind of build that roster from a sense of all right, the defensive linemen are going to be two gappers, right? You're going to be running a zone blitz, which essentially is you're playing primary zone. They played some man, but it was primarily zone. They played a lot of fire zone blitz. One of the key cogs to that is you go back to Dom Capers when he was with Dick LeBeau in Pittsburgh when they called it Blitzburg. And back then you had guys like Hot Rod Woodson. You guys know Rod Woodson, right? He was the guy that made it go. They would line him up in the nickel, the star, whatever you want to call it, the slot, and he could blitz off the edge. He could fit in the run fit. He was a turnover machine. He was very physical. He was the opposite of your Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders was this real quick cover guy. You know, he'll get you a pick and take it to the house. Rod Woodson was – very gritty. He could get you that same pick, but he was the dude putting his nose in there, making tackles, that type of thing. So as soon as Dom Capers comes in, what's one of the first free agents uh, acquisitions they made? Charles Woodson. And you put Charles Woodson in that nickel spot. So you start to plug those pieces into place. We never changed that front office wise. The same front office is in place. And, so, and from time to time, I get people, Tim, they say, oh, no, this is a different GM. That was Ted Thompson. And I'm going, this Ted Thompson – was Brian Gudikins's mentor, right? He taught him everything, every everything organizationally. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying we should change everything. I'm not saying it at all. It's just how you build a roster, it matters. If we're still building a roster for a 34 zone blitz defense, right, from uh, all the metrical standpoints, now we're playing a quarters coverage with man, you know, man match principles, 
you're kind of fitting a square peg in a round hole, especially on the defensive front. Because back then, what was the other piece they put into place, Tim, to win that Super Bowl? B.J. Raji, right in the middle, right? Let's get a shorter, stockier, very quick, but someone who can first and foremost stop the run. That's yep. what first and foremost. Clean the, the nose. Yep. Absolutely. They did that with B.J. Raji. They got your edge rusher to play outside linebacker. Essentially what you did was you built that Dick LeBeau, that, uh, that Dom Capers Blitzburg defense with new pieces and putting them in place. Another thing, too, you had people like Carnell Lake who would play safety and corner from time to time. Very good corner, uh, you know, uh, cover corner for Pittsburgh back in the early 90s. What did we do? We went and got a Nick Collins, right? And Nick Collins patrolling center field. Do we have a Nick Collins on this team? No. I, I have yet to see one. Yeah. Do we have a Charles Woodson? Some people will go, well, Jair's good. Jair's a boundary corner. He's not a Charles yeah. Woodson that plays in a, you know. Every, you notice where all the the great pieces are. They're kind of on the outside, right? And it's yep. why when we talk about positions of tier two importance, when I talk about, okay, first and foremost, edge, absolutely getting after the quarterback and interior defensive line. Now, when you go to tier two, in my opinion, of importance on defense, when you're talking positionally, it goes middle linebacker, free safety, right? You build the the, the center of that defense. You make it as stout as possible. Sure. And the reason being is because you've got those extra defenders, which are known as the sidelines, the out of bounds, right? Use yeah. that as an extra defender. Make your strength in the middle. I mean, look at what you did. With, look at what Pittsburgh did on their great run with Palomala, yep. right? And you had great linebackers in the middle. Um, but anyway. That's the spine of your defense. Absolutely. Really, really yep. what you're describing, you know. That's... And when you look at the spine of our defense right now and you ask yourself, who is the run stuffer like B.J. Raji? We don't have one, right? Right. Who, who is the – and some people give him grief, and I don't know why. I think he was a phenomenal linebacker. Who is the A.J. Hawk of this defense? And and some people draw the comparison of how many tackles Quay's got. I got you all that. A.J. Hawk was just one of those guys who wasn't going to make a mistake. He yep. he wasn't going to wow you with seven interceptions or six interceptions and, and do things like Brian Erlecker, but he was – very seldom in the wrong place. He had the speed to chase down Adrian Peterson. I've seen it his entire career. Yep. Stout in the middle. And then behind him, you had a Nick Collins. And then, oh, by the way, also in the middle, you had your boy Charles Woodson roaming around, moving around, and firing into that B-gap occasionally, too. Um, or, yeah, so. or blitzing off the nickel. Yes, dude. <laughs> oh, that was always fun to see, too, right? God, he was, he was so much fun to watch. It's one of those things that in the moment, I don't think, I know I didn't. I don't want to speak for everybody. I don't think I realized how good Woodson was. And then afterwards, it's going, it's all over, and you're like, that was amazing. Like, <laughs> I wish I'd appreciated it a little bit more. Yeah, um, man. He was that dude for real. Yeah. All right. So, uh, number one Packer fan said, do we run or try to run a version of the Fangio defense? Absolutely we do. Here's the problem, though, number one Packer fan. And this is what a lot of the Green Bay sports media talks about. And they hit the nail on the head. You heard Paul Brittle the other night, you know, talking about you got to be a little less stubborn to come out of the too high shell, right? And this and that. He's, and he immediately said, what do you follow up with? I know that's what LaFleur brung him here to run, but we've got to yeah. – you, you basically hired someone to run Fangio's defense, and then one year in, one full year in, you're going, hey, look, we need to change this. It's like, why did you bring him in then? 
you know? Because, well, that's the thing. I think, why did we keep Barry? Because LaFleur did not want to make a change. He didn't yep. want to develop this reputation as, you know, a one and done with his coordinators or, you know, musical chairs with coordinators, right? I mean, that was a decisive choice um, by Matt LaFleur to stick with Joe Barry. Yeah. So here we are, and we're only four games in. So right. to, yeah. to the second year. And again, I challenge you guys, go watch the interceptions. Go watch the interception. Watch Quay's interception. We oh, right to him. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what they were in? They yeah. were in country quarter spot drop. That's what they yeah, were see, in. See, now that's that's where I like to see a linebacker in in, in coverage, right? Yeah. Falling back, you know, middle of the field. Yeah. Read the eyes. The numbers. Read the eyes. Yep. Yep. Not with your back to the ball, having a ball go right by your ear and get caught, right? <laughs> you know, which Aaron always talked about. He said, oh, dude, if I see numbers – I'm throwing that pass to that receiver 100% of the time. If their back is completely to me and they're going to play that arrogant, I'm humming that tater right by their ear. Yep. Done deal. Done deal. All right, let's see here. We got Paul Robertson in the chat said, I agree with the philosophy ideal. Um, That also applies to other teams as well. Titans usually have a great defense, but their offense is always pretty one-dimensional. Yeah, very true with the running game, right? Um, They kind of lean on Henry a lot. They tried some play action and – you know, they're kind of stuck in kind of like the same purgatory we're in with defense right now. It's like we're not horrible, but we're not in the top 10 or right now probably on the cusp of top 15. But it's like you can never kick down that door, right? But, uh, yeah, very, very good point there. And, and you know, when you look at other defenses and what they're doing, you know, it, you know, it, it, across the board, like look at Dallas. Dallas plays a ton of man coverage. They're built to play man coverage, right? That's that's what they're built to do. Now, they do a combination of a lot of things, but um, they're built to play man coverage. This team just just isn't built to, to play man coverage, you know? Um, it is what it is, but, yeah, good stuff there. Let's see here. Number one Packer fan said, are we trying to run a version of the Fangio defense? Pretty much the same question. I've been trying to get a grasp of what our current scheme is, but because it doesn't work well, I guess I get lost, LOL. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to know what you're looking at when they might not even know what you're looking at, right? To answer your question, contrary to, pop, to, to popular belief, Packer fan, um, people will convince you all they do is play with two on the shelf. That's the Fangio defense. They don't do that. I show – go back and watch the Chalk Talk episode, the Detroit game, and you see they play cover one fire five man. They play cover one mirror match press man. They played cover one robber. They played a little what I call, uh, you know, cover three zone match three, three look. So it's essentially you've got three underneath zone, three over the top zone, and you're blitzing underneath, right? That's where they got one of the picks. Um, They've played a lot more man coverage than people want to admit to. Even the numbers last year, I pointed it out here in the offseason when we broke down the numbers, Uh, played a lot of cover one man. And the reason being is it got loud. It got loud. The defense is working to a certain extent. It's just sooner or later, this is what bothers me about the people that complain about it is what did we change in the offseason? What did we change? Who did we sign? We signed no one, <laughs> right? We we let a couple defensive linemen go to clear a spot for Devontae Wyatt, which, oh, by the way, his run defense has been abysmal, right? Um, you uh you brought back basically the same, the same everything across the board, you know. You drafted Lucas Van Ness, but we would all agree it's depth and it's someone who's going to work his way into a starting position at a crucial position at edge. But what did you do to improve it? So why do we expect it to be so much better this year? And I think the answer typically is, well, they're one year older. They're one year more experienced, right? But, you know, the other guys get paid too, and they're evolving as well, right? So, um, yeah. 
All right, let's see here. Uh, these are some good questions. I can't pass them up, man. We got to hit them. Paul Robertson, Packers have been soft against the run since Goody has taken over, and even before that, uh, Packers have largely neglected the middle linebacker position and prioritized pass rush cornerback play. Um, yeah, I don't know if I completely agree with it, Paul, but uh, the soft against the run, definitely. Um, you know, there's a lot of other teams that are that are way more focused on stopping the run than the Packers. But then again, the Chiefs, if you look at their defensive model over the last few years and this little run they went as far as their dynasty, um, you know, that's what they did. It was, hey, let's just let's, let's let the other team run. Let's try to control the explosive plays, and let's beat them in a shootout. The problem is Pat Mahomes is don't grow on trees, right, Tim? Right. <laughs> and Kelsey's. And-, <laughs> and I think, too, it's just, in, you know, indicative of where the league has gone. You know, it's a pass-heavy league now. Um, it has been kind of for a while. So you're going to naturally probably prioritize your pass rush and your secondary play. Um, and I think we get really upset about the lack of the run defense only when it's it's biting you in the butt, you know, when it when it's really hurting you. Um, I think if the Packers, you know, gave up 200 yards of rushing and no no touchdowns, you know, I think it'd be noticeable, but we'd be a little less upset as long as we're not giving up the explosive plays over the top. Um, so I think it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, I, I do remember the years when, yeah, we were waiting for some middle linebackers. Right, I, yeah. I do know That's that. That's saying right there. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And, uh, yeah, you know, A.J. Hawk is – I'm glad you brought him up because that guy's a tackle machine. And, uh, you know, I love guys like that. That's a blue-collar linebacker right there. You're not going to get the, the flash and all of that. It's going to be constant substance, constant execution. I mean, Never miss games. Yeah. Never. Or how about missed tackles? Like, could you, you probably count on one hand how many missed tackles uh, A.J. Hawk had in his career? So, uh, yeah, man, that was that was a breath of fresh air when he came uh, to Green Bay for sure because we yeah. had been thin in the middle for a while. Yeah, no doubt. He's one of my favorite all-time Packers. I love it. And, you know, he just – he played with this this mean this mean spirit, you know. There was no, hey, we're friends out here. We'll talk after the game. It was got yep. to do, and I got food to put on the table, and he was just kind of a throwback, you know. Um, now, when you talk about Quay being drafted, you can see what – you know, when you draft Quay Walker, the reason it caught all of us off guard, nobody was predicting them to draft Quay. And then when we looked at the metrics, we got, oh – this dude's a physical freak. Okay, got it. Right. They drafted for speed, acceleration, agility, burst, all those things, you know, explosion rating, all that. All uh, those things you can't teach. Exactly. Now, the problem is there's some players that you can draft that the things that you have to teach, they already know. Yep. And it, and it, and it kind of – you can be a little less physically gifted – but be one step ahead because you know what you're doing, know where you're going. And in no way is that a knock against Quay. In my opinion, they asked Quay to do something he's not capable of doing just yet. It's why we talked about it. Uh, I think it was on the last episode of the one before, Tim, where it's like <clears throat> the coverage is great because he's a physical freak. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, he's got high tackle numbers because the ground he can cover, he's always in and around the tackle. But when yep. you look at his gap assignment, he chooses incorrectly on gap assignment from time to time, right? And he makes these mental mistakes. Um, that's that's the pros and cons of drafting a player with a high upside, and uh, you know a little bit uh, a little bit lower uh, a little bit lower floor, I guess you could say. Um, sure. That's what you've got. 
With Quay Walker, you've got an extremely low floor and an extremely high ceiling, right? And, and yeah, we would love to see someone with a high floor, high ceiling, but they don't grow on trees, right? And, you know, a good contrast is kind of how the Lions are building their roster. Um, they're they're looking for people like that that are tough, that are just kind of gritty and, hey, look, we'll, we'll sacrifice a little bit of the measurables, just say, all right, this dude's a football player. He's putting on tape. When you look at, like, Jack Campbell and some of the guys that they've drafted, and, um, it's just kind of how they're built, you know. It is what it mm-hmm. is. Um, let's see, Emilio, I completely agree. We need a thumper in the nickel. Yeah, um, I would like to see. I'm going to look at this real quick. I want to get your take on this, Tim, and let's see if it lines up with the PFF grade and what they think of him. But I'm going to pull up real quick um, our boy Keyshawn Nixon. How do you feel about Keyshawn Nixon so far in the slot? I was as excited about anyone coming into the season, but I kind of feel like it's not gone as good as I thought it would. I know he had one game that graded out really, really well, but how do you feel like do you feel like Keyshawn Nixon? Let me ask it this way: Do you feel like Keyshawn Nixon is the nickel back of the future for the Packers? Uh, no, yeah. no, and I only say that that's a gut reaction right now. Um, that's not a knock on his game. I will tell you this: I believe he's what would they say uh, like in baseball? Oh, he's he's serviceable as a as a pitcher, or you're you're serviceable as a a player in a particular position, meaning. I don't think he's a full-on liability uh, in the slot. Um, However, I think a lot of this sentiment comes from us as fans. You know, we were excited uh, going into this year because we we think we're going to see that spectacularness that we see in the the return game or special teams or the splash plays that we get um, on defense. And we haven't really seen that so far. Um, we've seen a few what the heck's going on out here moments with him um, this year, a few uh, maybe looking a little lost out there moments, but then we've also seen him make some plays in the slot as well. So um, I think this is uh, definitely too early to say yes or no, but I'm leaning towards, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure that he would be the, the nickel of the future. I, yeah, I really I, just, I don't think it's definitive yet either. Um, but as it sits right now, um, Keyshawn Nixon's PFF grade on the season, 59.7. And mm-hmm. uh, his tackle grade, 32.4. That's not what you're looking out of the nickel, you know. Even right. even if you're not even talking run, right, even if you're not talking run defense and you're just talking about, you know, you get a lot of teams that are going to attack the slot, right, with short passes. You've got to be able to bring them down quick and, and prevent those yak yards, right. Um, it's just mm-hmm. not worked out. And, again, that's not me going, ha-ha, yeah, see, Goody, that's a stupid move. I was one that was like, based off what i seen on the tape last year, I think Keyshawn can do this. He's kind of a yeah. gritty guy. He's good in space. He's, he's He just seems like a natural football player, right? Just one of these guys that, that you would consider a football player, not necessarily this position or that position. Um, but, uh, yeah, he uh, definitely it's definitely not worked out. That's why I think it, would, it wouldn't be a bad idea to see someone like a Carrington Valentine or somebody just – give some of these younger guys those reps, you know, and, and let Keyshawn uh, focus on, you know, kick returning, what have you. Now, watch this next game. Keyshawn comes out. He'll have two picks and a sack. Yeah. And we'll be going, yeah, yeah. Keyshawn's back. <laughs> it's just a way my, my wife will tell you every time I talk negative at all about a player, they, they instantly do something to make me look stupid. So <laughs> right. I'm, I'm with I'm with that sentiment. Hopefully he goes off on Monday now just because That's- of this conversation. That's the thing about podcasting that I learned real quick. 
you can't run from being wrong because you talk yep. so much, you're going to be wrong. There's just, yeah. there's yeah. no getting around it. If, if we were right 100% of the time, we wouldn't be talking on a podcast. We'd be wearing a headset on Sunday, right? <laughs> That's yep. the way it is. Uh, Roger Davis in the chat said, I feel like this is a pivotal game. Not that a loss is the end of our season, but going into the bye with a dub, uh, will go a long way with this young team's confidence coming out of the bye. Roger, I could not agree more, man. Um, it, it would be absolutely huge. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about that. Um, let's see here. Deadfish said in 2010, don't forget the midseason acquisition of Howard Green. Thank you. Someone in the chat, remind me what Howard Green did well. He was a run stuffer. He weighed about 700 pounds, and they put him right in the middle and said, hey, dude, just getting everybody's way. <laughs> and he did it well. He did it really well. Aaron talked about Howard Green to this day. Talks about the role that Howard Green played on that, that roster probably more than any other player. And it was just midseason acquisition. Those are the type of things you got to be looking for. We've got to start prioritizing run defense with the interior defensive linemen and stop falling in love with RAS scores. You got to. I'm, I'm not saying it's not important because you put Devontae White and Kenny Clark out there on a pass rushing down from the interior – Look out. I mean, they're coming, right? You've seen yeah. it even against Detroit. It's the reason Rudy Ford got the pick was because Devontae White got the, the Mortal Kombat leg sweep there from the offensive line, and then he was <laughs> bearing down on our on our boy uh, um, uh, Jerry Goff. So let's see here. Yeah, United Bates, A.J. Hawk, he is awesome on Pat McAfee. Dude, his, his dry sense of humor is hilarious, and how he just tries to play stupid all the time cracks yeah. me up. Mike Hebring in the chat said, Gary Smith and LVN should take every snap at edge the rest. Only play if one of those players are injured. LVN and Gary are top round one picks. Um, and Smith is an expensive veteran. They must play more. Yeah, you know, I, what I would like to see at this point is uh, a heavier rotation of Lucas Van Ness than Preston Smith just to yep. get him those valuable reps. And, again, we're trying to see what we got this year. Um, and – it sucks because Preston Smith is pretty steady. You know what I mean? He's not – I wouldn't consider him a great edge at this stage in his career. When you look at his PFF grade this year, let's kind of look at where he sits. He's seventh highest graded on the defense, but at a 68.8, right? His run defense, 73.9, and you've seen that week in and week yeah. out. Um, his pass rush, though, 52.4. You almost would like to see him – them go to a little hybrid front and put them at interior defensive line. You know what I mean? Like a little, a little extra something there in the middle on a, on an obvious rundown because he does really, really well between the tackles. You've seen him blow up runs on the, on the opening drive against Detroit again. So uh, yeah, all good points, Mike, for sure. I would like to see a heavy dose of uh, LVM, but again, when it comes to Rashawn Gary, I know we talk about this all the time, but the dude's coming off an ACL, you know, you got to do what you got to do to, to work him back in there. Um, it's just kind of, kind of the hand we were dealt there. Um, let's see, uh, Emilio, wish we could play in base more. That would definitely help Emilio. Uh, the problem is the majority of the teams, and I know you know this, but I'm just, you know, for, for podcast purposes here, the majority of the teams are in 11 personnel. When you go to 11, you trigger nickel. If you, and, and what do I mean by that? If they come out in 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back, if they come out in that look and you go to base and you're in a 34, what that means is you now have a linebacker covering a corner, right? So pick your poison, right? And, again, it's all about controlling explosive plays. So yep. you the best thing to do is match personnel, try to load the box, which they did this last game, playing a lot of spinner, bringing the safety into the box. They showed a four-man front occasionally, but they did it in a way that they didn't have to manipulate the personnel. 
and that type of thing. So, uh, number one Packer fan, thanks for the explanation. Yeah, you you got it, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can convey the message well enough. And again, we don't have all the answers. If we don't have an answer or don't feel confident in our answer, we'll find it, man. We'll find it together. That's what this pod's all about. So, um, Emilio said. Like, I want to see more three down and our edge backers up and down off the line to try to mess with protection calls more. That's a great point, Amelia. I see what you're saying now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people were talking about how, uh, you know, the difference between an outside linebacker and a 34 and a 4-3 defensive end. They're the same build. When people were saying, you only had two linemen in there, and I'm going, well, you had two edge defenders too, so like, you're making it sound as if we played quarter coverage or something. When I say quarter, not quarters, but like a right. you know seven DBs or something like that right. wasn't the case. That wasn't the case at all. Yeah, I agree, Emilio. Just mix it up a little bit and uh, and uh, and just make it a little more confusing, you know, and, and a few more odd fronts as well. Which they've done a lot of that here lately. It's just when I look at the tape, I don't want to say what I'm about to say, but the big guys in the middle just don't get the push, man, against the run. It's like they're they're playing hesitant, and maybe they are coached up to do that. I, you know, I'm not in the room. You know, it, I, I can't imagine that's the case, but maybe maybe that is it. So, uh, let's see what else we got here as we get ready to wrap this thing up. We didn't even cover the personnel, but I'm cool with it. If you are Tim, the the chat was absolutely awesome tonight, man. Oh yeah, love it, love the posse, man. Turbo uh, Turbo Duran said, uh, "I'm sorry. Uh, let's see here. Let's go back to Mike Habring real quick." Uh, tough to bring in better players when 40 big ones are going against the cap for a quarterback on the roster. Right decision, but tough reality. Yeah, I talked about it. I said, hey, you sure you want this guy gone? <laughs> like, and that's what got me was the people who the people who disagreed with me, I have yet to see them go, Goody was wrong, right? And he was. You're not going to convince me that yeah, – I understand it's an echo chamber too, Tim, like, people are so dug in on this, they're not going to go, hey, yeah. I was wrong about that. But you're not going to convince me that Goody hasn't done anything wrong when you sign a quarterback to a three-year, $150 million extension, and then you trade him the next year. <laughs> it's like there's no way you could – Fox News or CNN couldn't put, a, couldn't put a spin on that to make it seem as if Goody made a good move there, right? Um, but – it is what it is. If you agree, they're better without him. I got you. Um, the PFF grade suggests they're not. The completion percentage and the numbers suggest they're not. But um, if you're tired of Aaron Rodgers, you're tired of Aaron Rodgers. I get it. I understand. I respect that opinion. I do. Um, but, yeah, uh, the 40 big ones will come off the books. But the problem is you've got other ones filling in that gap, too, with the Bakhtiari at 40 more big ones next year. And then, of course, Kenny Clark, man, uh, that's one that hurts. I want to say this real quick. Kenny Clark's PFF grade on the year, 64.0. Um, his tackling grade, 60.0. His run defense grade, 57.7. And he's accounting for over $20 million of the cap. Sucks. I love Kenny. And he is a heck of a pass rusher. But uh, just, uh, yeah. yeah, just not worked out. Uh, Turbo Duran, we'll go rapid fire and wrap this thing up, Tim. I'm sure you got stuff to do. He said, uh, don't worry, Raiders are just terrible under Josh McDummy and Ziegler. In the Patriots' way, thumbs down. <laughs> you guys, you guys will win on Sunday if Love plays well. But uh, Max Crosby is going to eat Turbo out. Yeah, dude, uh, Max Crosby's a beast. I like that guy. I do. I think he plays the game the right way. He's tatted up. He looks like every uncle I had growing up in the Biker Gang. And uh, I'm like, yeah. Every time I see him on the field, I'm like, yeah. He looks like family to me. <laughs> Crosby's one of those guys that perfectly pushes that envelope of like if he played. 
any more aggressive or any more intense, you'd think this guy's a dirty player. Because right. he's always trying to get the extra, the extra push, the extra move. But you have to respect the game because it's not. He's not a dirty player. Um, you know, we've we've seen some true dirty plays in this league, and Max Crosby's not that dude. He's the dude that's gonna get in the the quarterback's head and you know get a little chippy, maybe yeah. a little extra. But um, yeah, man, we gotta account for him. And uh, you know, that that'd be a good little question right here. How do how do we do that? You know, because I'm yeah. assuming he's going to move a little, but primarily he's coming off of the edge, right? We're not anticipating seeing him. Yeah. You know. I, my goal is and not that it'll help, but I mean, we will be doing a couple more episodes Saturday and Sunday's episode before the game. My goal is to get on the bike and, and get in a 20 mile ride and watch Vegas's last two games, every snap. That's my goal. I'd like okay. to be able to answer that for you, Tim. I'm going to try to get the answer to that. I got the condensed version. I can make that happen and just key in on Max. I want to see if they move him around or not. Um, I, I don't think they do, but that's a very ignorant statement because I haven't watched them much. So I need to definitely dig into that. But, uh, yeah, Eric Sutherland in the chat said, I'm still happy with letting Lindsley go and drafting Myers. Anyone else? I, I think I think Eric's being sarcastic. I hope Eric's being sarcastic. <laughs> We know Eric Sutherland enough. He's got to. He's got to be. Got to be being sarcastic. So, um, Bears are up seventeen to nothing. Is what Paul was saying. Yeah, I was watching it. Man, Fields is looking good again. It looks like that's that momentum's carrying over. It's just problem is there's a second half, right? Um, but uh, again, man, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna root against them tonight, man. With the passing of Dick Buckus, I'm gonna yeah. let it roll and uh, and just make sure the Bears fans know, hey, man, it sucks. You you guys, uh, we we appreciate the legend that was Dick Buckus for sure. Um, let's see here. Uh, what else we got? Just want to make sure we're not missing anything here. Number one Packer fan. I hear a lot of fans say the Packers pay too much attention to RAS scores. I've never paid attention to it myself, but should they pull away from that a little bit in your opinion? Um, I don't know, man. You know, I'm not a GM. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand roster building more than the, the worst team in the history of the league. You know what I mean? Uh, but when you look at that kind of profile in a draft pick and then you look at some of the others that you could tell teams didn't focus on the RAS as much, you know, it's a constant talk, Tim. Every draft season we talk about, well, th- I like this player, but oh, he doesn't meet the threshold for RAS, right, because the yeah. Packers have their type, right? Um, so I-, I think it plays a role in- into it a little bit because – if a player, I guess what I'm trying to say is if a player was gritty, a player was tough, a player was hard-nosed and they played the game the right way and all those cliches we hear, and they had an excellent RAS score, they're probably a top three pick, right? So I think it kind of goes without saying there. Um, yeah. It's cracked me up right here, a little little body shaming by Eric Sutherland. <laughs> Howard Green, a.k.a. Eddie Lacy. <laughs> Dude, I love watching Eddie Lacy play. Man. He was so the human truck stick right there, man. Holy cow. <laughs> run over you, run through you, whatever. Roger that was Lacey. fun. That was fun. We were we needed a bruiser, and we got Eddie Lacy. That was a fun ride, man. Yeah, it, really was. Oh, it was, man. It was. He was he was everything I expected him to be. To be honest with you, the spin move was phenomenal for someone that big. You know. Yeah. Um, Roger Davis said, as my buddy says, we need some quote tubs of goo in the middle. Hope that isn't inappropriate. Sometimes I read comments and go, I'm not I'm not up on the lingo today. That I'll I'll look back <laughs> later and go, I got to delete that video. <laughs> Oh, Let's see. I think I think we pretty much got this. Uh, um, 
Emilio, can we get Jonathan Ford 6'5", 337 in the middle once in a while too? Probably wouldn't hurt, right? Probably wouldn't hurt. I mean, like I said, it's like me on a basketball court. People say I'm I was good at basketball. I hated basketball and thought I sucked. But man, you put me on defense, bro. I'm I'm getting in somebody's way and I'm taking somebody out. Like <laughs> I put Jonathan Ford out there and just say, just lay down every snap, just lay down on the ground where nobody can run in the middle. Man. I, it's almost the same sentiment like I was saying the other day about the offensive line. Like pepper in some of these guys uh if we need it. Let's let's see some Sean Ryan. Let's see some Yash. Let's see, you know. Caleb Jones, if we need him, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing on, on that D line. I, I agree. Why not put him in there? What do you, you got know? to lose? What do you got to lose at this point? You know, so yeah. number one Packer fan, my opinion on Matt LaFleur, I like him as a coach, but I think he gets stuck enforcing certain schemes and maybe sticking with certain players that don't work situationally during games. You know, the other thing too, I'm just going to say this I'm a very emotional person. When someone, anybody I've ever worked for, worked with, had a business project with if they show me they care about me and other people man i'll 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 go down swinging with you even if you're in the wrong hey I'm, i've got you back right um matt lafleur kind of seems like that type of guy and he's very emotional and i appreciate that about him but when you look at the great teams team uh tim i don't feel like the coaches were that emotional you know where they're tearing up and man i love you guys and this and that it was it was more on you know think of the great coaches right and yeah exactly Belichick, mr monotone everything yeah. yep yeah i can't i don't know i can hear him from nfl fans i can't stand it brady running again on that nfl field. yeah <laughs> calling him brady like he's just like everybody else you know yeah um, yeah so uh he he's definitely a more uh cerebral coach Packer fan um he being Matt LaFleur uh, but uh you know Dan Campbell is more of a I don't want to say emotional but tough hard nose hey we're gonna go in there and bloody everybody's nose type coach and uh sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't you know it's like Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh yes I, I see that too I love Mike Tomlin man me too and, and right yeah. now he's on the hot seat it's just crazy I mean it's getting really loud over there um he had a quote on a podcast with Peter Schrager and he said, and I loved how he preferenced. He 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 basically he was talking about him and Todd Bowles back in the day and them coming up the coaching ranks. And he said something along the lines, he said, you know what we used to say, you can't say it today because you'll get canceled. That's what he said. He said, but we used to say, if you're race sensitive, then you're a racist. And I thought, wow, dude, like that. And, and you know, that's how he sees stuff. Is like if if you're even putting any kind of thought whatsoever into someone, the color of someone's skin good, bad, or expecting special treatment or, or, you know, looking at someone like they're not as good or whatever, then you're a racist. It's that simple. Like they tried to remove race completely from the equation. And mm -hmm. I love Tomlin's approach. There's no excuses, no BS. Right. But yeah, it is getting a little bit loud over there uh, for Tomlin. There's no doubt about it. And it's mainly because of his offense and he won't give up on Matt Canada. You know, some yeah. Packer fans will go, yeah, like Matt LaFleur won't give up on Joe Barry. <laughs> That's immediately what you think. But, uh, <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, Paul Robertson, Kenny Clark seems like he is in decline. I, I I disagree, Paul, because Ryan brought this to my attention. Ryan with Packernet Podcast, which I want to do this real quick and do a quick plug. In the upper right, 
You can scan that QR code. That'll send you to Packernet Podcast, where you've got Ryan Slips, Original Packernet Podcast, Packernet After Dark, and a ton of other podcasts where you can find this show in podcast form. Scan that QR code, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It's absolutely uh, it's great content. Outside of this show, it's great content. Trust me, you will not, you will not be sorry. Uh, so I'll just leave that up there in case someone wants to scan it. But uh, what he pointed out a few years ago was like, Kenny had one great year. He had one great year, and that year he had Mike Daniels beside him in the trenches, right? And uh, not saying that Kenny's bad, but that kind of gave us this overinflated look at, wow, Kenny's amazing. Kenny's a great pass rusher. Um, it's just in the run game, he haven't seen it. And uh, uh, there was an article that popped up. I need to find – I need to find just – we'll wrap up with that. I'll get to that in a minute, Tim. Don't let me forget that. Gilbert Brown. Don't let me forget that. Gilbert Brown. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, let's see here. Last couple. We're going to hit these real quick. Uh, Eric Sutherland, we stopped, we stopped Crosby by playing Newman at right or left tackle. <laughs> Shut up. Ah. Shut up. Yeah. So oh, man. in the bottle of sarcasm tonight, probably in the bottle of something else too, old Eric. <laughs> He's, uh, like I said, he is the uh, the president of the PTA Posse here, our YouTube group. Paul Robertson said, prime example with RAS, Puka Nakua had a terrible score. I almost did this, Tim. Last year I did a pod where – I was talking about the upcoming prospects and I pointed out uh, Puka Nakua. I'm like, watch Puka Nakua. This dude is going to be a stud. He has the highest PFF grade of any college receiver. He is an absolute, he is just special. There's something about him. His measurables were bad. He dropped in the draft. They, they got him out with LA now and he and Cooper cup are going to be a one, two punch for years to freaking come. I almost did a screen, a side-by-side of me saying that on the pod, and then showing Puka Nakua in the NFL. But, you know, nobody wants to hear that. You know, Self-edification is people repellent. So I was like, I ain't going down that route. But it, you're, you're right, though, Paul Robertson, man. The measurables weren't there. But PFF, it isn't everything. But the people who just shoo it off like it means nothing, they're really missing some good information. They are. There's no doubt about it. Um, all right, cool. That's it. Let's do this real quick. I'm going to try to pull this up. I want to read it. Uh, Tim, because I thought it was really, really fascinating. It's what uh, I think it was mentioned in our Twitter group, if I remember correctly. And it was our boy. uh, Andy. Yep. It was uh, Andy APAC posted an article from Wisconsin Sports Heroics. And here are some of the quotes from Gilbert Brown. He said, quote, they are getting embarrassed. And I hate to say that because I love me some Kenny Clark. I love me some TJ Slayton. I love all them boys, but they got their butts kicked. Um, if I'm the defensive line coach and I walk into that meeting room, I'm losing my job. From what I saw, the things that they were doing were things that can be fixed. Hmm. What does that sound like? Like, when I did Chalk Talk, <laughs> I'm going, bro, I don't know what y'all want Joe Barry to do in this run defense, right? The defensive line's getting blown off the ball, and guys on the back end are missing tackles, like – what else can you do? Um, but Gilbert Brown stepping up and saying that I really thought was like, man, it's it's kind of kind of ballsy, right, Tim? Like for him to go out there because I love how you preferenced it too. Like every every great family member would your your responsible uncle that cares about you. Go listen, I love you, but yeah, there it is. And that's that's big Gilbert all day. I mean that that dude is not afraid to express himself uh, at all. Uh, one thing we know about the grave digger is he'll he he's very candid. So if he if he's making an observation, he's going to call it like he sees it. 
um, there, the, the BS meter is very low with, uh, with the grave digger. He's not much for games. He's a pretty, he's a good guy, great sense of humor, fun guy to be around, but he's, he's serious about ball. And, uh, you know, he's serious about being a Packer too, you know? And like he said, he was, he also said in that, uh, interview or on that appearance that he was on, that it was embarrassing to be a Packer that day. That's how he felt, you know, uh, um, as a, as a defensive player, you know? So um, I don't think that uh, he was throwing shade or, or, you know, starting anything. I think he was just, you know, echoing the sentiment of a lot of us that at the end of the day, you know, you got to do your job. You got to refuse to be blocked. It's not a scheme issue if you're not getting off the snap fast enough and you're already getting shoved around. Um, It's not a, it's not a coach's issue. If, you know, someone gets their hand on you and pushes you wherever you, they want, you know, you, you have to impose your will, you know, defense has to take what the offense is giving a lot of times, but when you're in, in the trenches, man, you got to impose your will, man. You got to refuse to be blocked. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's, um, it doesn't seem to be like a intensity thing. It doesn't seem to be like these guys aren't, you know, tuned up to, to play on, on game day. It just, it's, it's something, man. I think it's, it's deeper than just a scheme issue. I think, it, it's a lot of things like, you know, like you said the other day, Clayton, it's not just one thing, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into this. Yeah. And that, that's the answer. None of us want to hear. I know I didn't want to no. say it, but it's, it's, you know, it's what I'm seeing and, and I'm begging people, show me something different. And that's why when they come at me with the, Oh, well, it's a scheme. I'm going timestamp. Give me a game. Give me a quarter. Give me a minute. Give me a second and show me here's what I'm talking about. And the only thing they could come up with, was the goal line nickel, right, where they didn't sub and we didn't have a chance to sub in into that situation, which everybody's got their own angle of argument there, you know, but uh, it is what it is. So, um, all right, let's let's get out of here, Tim. Party thoughts, buddy. Anything? I appreciate you hanging out with me. I know Jacob had a had a sick pup yeah. to take care of, but appreciate you hanging out. Any any parting thoughts, man? Oh, thanks for having me as always, Clayton. I love being here. And yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, let's put prayers up for for Jacob and his pup yeah. dealing with a little bit of an issue there. Uh, that dog looked uh, three sheets to the wind in <laughs> Jacob's little <laughs> Jacob's little video. Hopefully, the pup's doing better, getting some rest. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I will probably be, uh, missing Saturday's pod. Uh, I got a wedding to go to with some family, um, down in Racine, Ray, Ray Silla, shout out to Ray Silla. Um, <laughs> so we'll be down there, uh, on Saturday with family. Um, and then, so hopefully, um, uh, Monday night football or Sunday, Sunday night, I could probably be back hopefully, cool. um, yeah. for the pod, but looking forward to just talking more ball, man. I always love to be here. And, uh, I'll call it now since I'm, I might not be on before the game again. We'll see. I think the Packers get it done in Vegas. Um, I'm not going to do a score prediction, though. We'll, we'll, <laughs> if Vegas keeps moving the line, I'm not going to give you a prediction right now. Exactly. So so maybe Sunday I'll, I'll, I'll do a score prediction. But, uh, no, man, just uh, have a great weekend, and uh, thanks for having me, man, as yeah. always. Hey, we appreciate your time, man. It's always a blast for sure. So, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get out of here, like I said. Jacob, uh, he'll be back with us probably tomorrow, I'm sure, or I'm sorry, Saturday, I'm sure. We'll take tomorrow off for Friday Night Lights. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's got a pup that had surgery. And um, that the, the the look in that dog's eye in the picture was the same one that Lincoln and Etta had in theirs when they uh, we got them, got them fixed here recently. And, God, that was hilarious. The vet sent me a video 
they said your your wolves are waiting on you and i was like what and i clicked the video and they were high in their kennel from the drugs you know and <laughs> they were both howling and they got every dog in that veterinarian office howling she's like i have no idea why they're howling but i said i know why they're howling look at him <laughs> look like look like my dad on a Saturday night growing up. That's why they're howling. He's, he's gone right now. Are you kidding me? But anyway, thanks to everybody in the chat, man. You know, we had a little bit more content to cover, but I, I really enjoyed hitting the comments in the chat. You guys kind of steered the conversation and not, we really appreciate it. Uh, also for those of you on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back. Go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Double tackle, the defensive end. If he's over, if he's back, he drives down the first man who is inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. No one goes. Go right by them and field this back. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in. Comes all the way around. If you look at this play, we'll be trying to get a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.